Welcome to the Socialette Podcast, where we empower you with the marketing know-how you need to create the business of your dreams. I'm your host, Steph Taylor, and I'm a marketing nerd, Shiraz lover, and passport stamp collector. Join me as I dive into all things small business marketing and deliver them to you in bite-sized, fluff-free lessons every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Let's get learning. Hey, welcome back to Socialette Podcast. This is episode 153. If you've been feeling a little bit like your business or your life is cluttered and overwhelming at the moment, today's episode is going to be right up your alley. Today's podcast guest is Carly Willoughby-Rolls from Minimalista. Carly is a life coach who works with ambitious creatives to cut through the clutter, figure out what sparks joy, and design and live less complicated lives. In this episode, we chat about what it means to approach life and business with a minimalist mindset, how to do less and achieve more at the same time, and how to simplify your marketing. Let's get to it. Hi, Carly. Thank you so much for coming on Socialette. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited. I've listened to Socialette for ages, so it's nice to be on. Yay. Well, so I came, like, I first came into contact with your business, I think, via Instagram, and for a little while, I'm not going to lie, I didn't really know what you were about or what you did until I started digging a little bit more. And then I was quite intrigued. But for our listeners who have no idea who you are or what you do, please tell us who are you? What do you do? What's Minimalista about? Yeah, um, thank you for that. I think the funny thing is, I think I'm still getting clear on that myself. I don't know how you feel um, so I launched Minimalista in the middle of last year, yeah. uh, and I still feel like it's refining itself as we go. Um, but at the core, uh, Minimalista is my way of sharing my learnings from becoming a minimalist myself or, yeah. or shifting. Um, I'm careful not to say that I am a minimalist because there's certainly parts of my life that don't feel minimal at some time, <laughs> like my daughter's playroom. Um, but becoming more minimalist and shifting more to that lifestyle. So I do that through uh, one-on-one coaching with successful entrepreneurs, yeah. uh, uh, talking on stage. Uh, so as a speaker, I run kind of empowering events and through other workshops that I run for people. Awesome. So what actually is minimalism? Like how would you define it? Um, yeah, I, I guess the simple part or the, the thing that people would uh, regularly come to or think about is just that um, the decluttering, the yeah. Condo sort of concept of getting rid of stuff. But for me, minimalism and the minimalist lifestyle is a lot deeper than that. Uh, and I guess that's the place where I come to with my coaching and with the talking. Uh, and my favorite quote is from Joshua Becker of Becoming Minimalist. And he says that minimalism is the intentional promotion of the things we most value mm. and the removal of anything that distracts us from it. I love that. Have you, so how long have you been a minimalist for now? Um, I think there's probably been an element like seeds planted there my whole life. Yeah. Um, I grew up, my dad's actually, like the more I've come into minimalism, the more I'm like, yeah, my dad's actually a minimalist. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, certainly my 20s were very maximalist. Um, How so? Oh, look, 
I had a great job. I um, was, you know, very well paid. I lived in Rosalie and Paddington, sort of inner cities, um, uh, apartments in the yeah. um, inner Brisbane. Uh, and, yeah, I just uh, indulged in whatever took my fancy, uh, whether that was fashion or festivals or going out or, uh, yeah, just doing all the things all of the time. Um, and so I think my journey to minimalism probably started about seven, seven years ago yeah. now. Uh, and in serious, yeah, probably the last three or four I've gotten um, deeper with the, you know, shifted past those early stages, which were for me were about the decluttering and the letting go of mm. physical possessions and coming into more of the kind of philosophy and lifestyle of living more minimally. Yeah. Why? So what triggered it? What made you want to start becoming a minimalist? Well, that's funny because I've always answered this question, um, you know, every time I've been asked in the sort of last nine months, I've said, you know, it was it was becoming a mother and settling yeah. down, um, buying my first house, you know, that kind of transition period. But actually, when I look back through some journals and notes that I found, I think it was even a bit before that. Ah. So it's funny, I've always kind of pinpointed it being that time, but actually I think it was maybe a few years in the year or so before uh, we started having a family. The, um, the early seeds must have been there, but it really must have only started to flourish around the time when I was on maternity leave. So I was literally yeah. home with all our stuff <laughs> um, and having to buy all the stuff for this new person in our life, stuff that I never needed before, right? And yeah. so I simply didn't know. I was at this point where I was like buying all of these things that people said you needed, but not actually wondering whether or not I needed them or not. Um, so it's just a really becoming a, a parent is that kind of, is it that next big shift, I guess, um, from moving out of home or buying your first house. Yeah. And so it kind of, yeah, it shakes you up a little bit. And I think um, that was the time when I really started to question a lot of things. Yeah, no, that sounds fair enough. And I guess like <laughs> where I am at the moment is probably like in that maximalist stage, like you were saying, like doing all of the things, buying all of the nice things. So I could probably learn a thing or two from you. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with the nice things. Yeah. And it's interestingly, I think the lesson I got out of that, um, even in my 20s, um, I liked things. Um, but I always liked really good quality things. So yeah. I was shopping uh, when I was um, working in a kind of more business environment in an organization. You know, I was buying my suits from Saba and Country Road and Wayne yeah. Cooper. Like I wasn't buying them from cheaper shops. Um, and I guess in that period, it, when I was in my 20s, at least fast fashion hadn't really caught up with us yet. Um, so I was... I guess there was still uh, elements there that I could learn from. So even as I've become minimalist and started buying less, yeah, has still maintained like that idea of quality and wanting to have good things that will last. So yeah, definitely nothing wrong with things and nothing wrong with loving really good things because if you're drawn to that, um, that's a good starting point, right? Of yeah. buying quality things that you know are going to last that don't need to be replaced as often. Yeah, and that's. Like I like the example of fashion because like I look at my wardrobe and the things that I love and still wear five years later are the things that cost a little bit more and maybe at the time 
they probably weren't something I could afford or it was something that hurt to pay for. But then I think about how many times I've bought like $20 t-shirts that I've worn once and that's probably more of a waste of money. Absolutely. And funnily, one of the blogs, um, again, written by Joshua Becker, he's one of my favorite minimalist writers. Uh, One of the earlier blogs I read of his that really, um, I guess, convinced my reforming maximalist, um, (laughs) he talked about um, this quality over quantity idea, which is not a new concept, right? Um, And it's not even unique to kind of the minimalist movement. But he talked about being able to go into a store and buy a $200 shirt instead of buying $10, $20 shirts. Yeah. Of course, for the reforming kind of maximalist (laughs) in me, I was like, yeah, that's that's definitely a lifestyle I can get behind, right? Yeah. So I was convinced into the movement out of that um, that pleasure I took in, and really it's in materialism. So um, minimalism isn't about not being a materialist, mm-hmm. which might sound a bit confusing, but what minimalism is about is not being um, so heavily swayed and bedded in consumerism. Yeah. And the difference is consumerism is about buying and and this psychology that we need more and we can never be fulfilled and that buying things is going to fill some inner need um, or or hole in our kind of in our soul. Whereas materialism is that love of things. Uh, and I've read some research recently and um, a book an author brought out actually that said uh, his case was if we could encourage everyone to be materialistic, yeah. to actually love their things, then people would be more minimal because they would repair and care for and look after their things. Ah. Being consumeristic where you just feel like you can buy that little shirt and throw yeah. it out it away or give it to charity because if you were materialistic and you really cared about those things, you would, yeah, you wouldn't be, you wouldn't so easily discard them and replace them. I love that. I love that idea. And the whole concept of quality over quantity, like that's something I've really been pushing this year with business. Like I've been, I I don't know if you've been listening to the past podcast episodes where I've been focusing on quality, not quantity when it comes to posting on social media. Um, So how else can somebody approach business with a minimal mindset? Yeah, I guess for me, uh, most of the work that I do with my clients, so they're all um, successful entrepreneurial women. So yeah. they've all had businesses for, um, you know, sort of two, five, ten plus years. Uh, and they're successful. And when I say successful, they are successful in the um, in the wider accepted definition in terms of they've made money, they've yeah. got lots of clients, um, you know, they, they might have the followers, the likes, that sort of thing. So they have um, that notion of success that people subscribe to. Uh, but then they have still found that a bit wanting. So yeah. the work that I do with them is about uh, approaching their whole life. So this is why I guess I don't say that I'm a life coach or just a business coach. Um, because I coach just the person uh, and we approach their whole life business being a part of that to try and find a way to get more balance and more ease into their life so that business fits in to that flow of their life but so it's not the predominant or only factor so they yeah. feel like there's less sacrifice in it 
So from a business perspective, I guess a lot of the time it's about really looking at um, whether they need to be doing all the things. And <laughs> yes. I love you know, your Instagram bio tag is like, I simplify marketing. And I was mm. thinking when I read that again recently, I was like, yeah, well, I guess I simplify life. Like yeah, that. I love that. Um, so, yeah, the work we do is sometimes about just figuring out whether they need to be doing all the things in their business, whether all the things need to be done at all. And if they do, things like outsourcing, you know, hiring to their um, to their weaknesses, uh, if they've already got staff with some of them do, um, delegating, so oh, yeah. uh, ways to empower those people that are working for them. So it's all about finding ways that they can be doing less to open them up to be doing more of the stuff that's in their flow or zone of genius uh, and then freeing them up to either pursue different endeavours or different parts of their business. Uh, and then in some instances it is about letting go. So it might be letting go uh, certain packages or services or things that they've been offering um, that have stagnated or just stopped feeling good. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and letting go of those things so that they can move on to other things. That makes so much sense because I know like last year when we were doing a lot of client work, we had all of these different packages and then it was like, oh, but we can custom build packages for you. And it just ended up being like this big complicated mess of custom packages and not knowing like who was getting what delivered this month. And like, it makes, it felt so nice to like cull all of that and get everyone onto standard packages. And it just, freed up so much time. So like I, that definitely makes sense to me. If someone is looking to start minimalizing their life or their business, where what would you recommend as the first step that they take? So this has shifted as well for me. I used to always say uh, much in Marie Kondo fashion. And for those people who think if you haven't heard of Marie Kondo, I mean, where have you been hiding? Yeah. <laughs> subscription. But um, so she is a Japanese uh, decluttering expert or professional organizer, go check her out on Netflix. She um, she has a series that came out earlier this year. That's why I keep referencing her because I feel like now people are less um, people are less in the dark about I guess the minimalist side of what I do yeah. because like oh I've seen Marie Kondo I've seen the Netflix <laughs> series. Um, so I used to say much like she does that the first step is piling everything into a heap. So she talks about like working through categories. So you would get all your clothes together, dump them all on a bed. So in your business, it would like, you would get all your packages mm -hmm. and offerings and services. You would have them all on your desktop or you would print them all out. You would have them all on your desk and then you would look at them one by one. Uh, so that used to always be my first step. But now I think really the first step is, uh, is what I call stopping the flow. So that is in your home, for example, stopping the flow of stuff in the front door. So yeah. it's one thing to deal with the stuff you've already got, but if you're still letting stuff in the front door all the time, like if you're still going shopping and buying all of this stuff or in your business, if you're still saying yes to all of these things that that don't fit with what your current offering is, yeah. uh, if you know you're going to be reevaluating your packages and services and yet you're still saying yes to people who are inquiring about services you know already know you don't really want to offer anymore that's where you've got to start right you've got to start with stopping the flow of the things in 
that you already know kind of no longer fit or uh, feel good or are what you want to be doing. Stop there, then look at everything you're doing uh, and then bit by bit or piece by piece evaluate, does this still fit? Is this still uh, what I think I should be doing? Uh, How does this resonate? How does this feel? Marie says, does this spark joy? <laughs> um, that's a fairly contentious question. Uh, but I think I think women entrepreneurs too are really uh, in tune with, or well, most of them, most of the ones I work with, when we actually come to doing this sort of work on their business, more often than not, they're pretty quick to go, oh, yeah, actually, I've been resisting this, but I know I don't really want to do this anymore. Sometimes you just need that external validation. Like you need that person to just say, well, actually, no, it's fine for you to let that, let that go. Yes. Permission yeah. is a big part, part it of it. Like uh, I did a series of talks um, across the Southeast um, Queensland last year. So six talks, um, same topic, um, but different audiences, obviously. And at every single one, there was a theme of permission. So a lot of people, they were specifically around the minimalist lifestyle, um, not so much the coaching frame, but uh, people came sort of wanting permission to let go of things. So sentimental things or things that inherited or, uh, and they really, yeah, they just wanted someone to say it was okay to not thing and to just let it go. I, I totally get that. Like, so 2019 has been the year of no client work for me. So I can focus on like courses and all of that. But it actually took somebody else saying, it's okay to not want to do client work. It's okay for you to not take on any clients in 2019 before I was actually okay to do that. Yeah. Even yeah. though I knew that's what I wanted to do. So that makes so much sense. Yeah. Yeah. As business owners, it's quite easy to fall into that trap that we always need to be doing more and like never stop hustling. How, how do you feel about the hustle mentality? Uh, well, <laughs> I, <laughs> uh, even when you just say the word hustle, I just get this like tightness in my chest and yeah. just, I don't know, it, it really brings up a sense of pity for me, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and look, I know that, um, just like I know that what I speak about is not for everyone, I know there are people who are really in this, like, great flow and hustle means to them um, work hard, do the work. You know, like, it yeah. has a different thing for everyone. But for me, and maybe that's just because I'm a child of the 80s, and I remember watching movies where, like, people would hustle people. <laughs> and, like, like, if you hustled someone – you were like cheating them, like it was sneaky and sly. And so now I just can't resonate really at all with, especially women entrepreneurs being like, I just want to hustle because to me it just still conjures this like really bad, like why would you ever want to hustle somebody? Um, So, yeah, I know it has kind of a different meaning now for people um, and it's a meme and it's on candles and posters and all of that stuff. (laughs) For me, I think – all that aside, it really does bring up this idea that you have to work hard, yeah. you have to slog, you have to grind, um, and you have to sacrifice. And there has that there's a lot of, um, yeah, like it's that there's a lot of hard work, and I don't even really know kind of the best word, but yeah, just that there's that it has to be hard and tough. And yes, being an entrepreneur is all of those things, but it doesn't always have to be that way. 
for you to achieve success. And so that's why I have a problem with this like hustle and slay, hustle and grind <laughs> because there is also another way and that is ease and flow and being clear on your boundaries and choosing what's for you and what's not for you and what's for you right now and what's maybe for you later on and that there's a lot to be said for respecting that, which I think the hustle mentality doesn't because it kind of says do all the things all the time and if you're feeling like it's hard or it's tough, then that's just you just got to slog it out yeah. rather than maybe it's time to tune in and think about what to let go of. Like, and that's why I resist and kind of am on this mission to kind of put an end to this hustle mentality. Yeah. I, I also hate the word busy, just oh, like me too. Just the words out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I am literally on a mission to stop this glorification of busy because mm. a lot of the people I work with uh, are busy, but even when they become less busy, they are still running running successful businesses, they're still enjoying their work, they've just found a way to do it that doesn't, um, yeah, that doesn't involve such grind and yeah. such, um, force, I guess, a way that's just a bit easier and more subtle. Yeah, that makes so much sense. And you mentioned before it was about setting boundaries. How mm. does somebody go about setting those boundaries? Good question. Um, I think the thing with boundaries is you almost always intuitively know, even if you don't feel like you're a very intuitive or in tune person, when you've had a boundary crossed, you yeah. almost always feel it. And I think even when we're up in our head and we're feeling all cluttered and overwhelmed, most of us still even know when we've had a boundary crossed or when we've said yes to something that didn't feel right, you feel that. Like you feel, oh, my God, why am I doing this? Or why have I done this to myself? Or the minute you say yes to it and the person walks away, you're like, how do I get out of this? Like, yep. And start, you know, thinking of ways like <laughs> fanciful stories of like, how you might be able to get out of that thing. Um, and so I think the first step is just recognising that and starting to give yourself permission. I think going back to that permission thing, giving yourself permission to say no to yeah. things gently and easily, like, you know, you don't have to be an asshole, right? <laughs> like, yeah. But you can say no and still be a kind, generous, you know, wonderful person. And people um, will respect you for it even more. That's right, they do. And the thing is when you start to say no and do it from a place of like the, with the intention of being respectful of your own energy, you're really giving other people permission to do the same as well. And mm -hmm. I've really found this because I am absolute recovering people as a perfectionist, <laughs> maximal things, all the good things rolled into one. Yeah. But I found when I started to let go of the control of wanting to control everything, I really empowered the people around me to step up and to do things. And that was when I was working in the organisation that I worked in previously. It empowered, like, my staff to step up and mm -hmm. take things on because I suddenly wasn't having to control things. And in my business, it's meant that, um, you know, I felt free to engage people and, um, and get a VA or, you know, different things. 
and also in your in your personal life, when you start to just let other people help with things, you realize actually people are always like, you know, life wasn't meant to be easy. But actually I would question that because yeah. you don't feel like it was meant to be hard either. Yes, <laughs> times and there will be things that stretch you, but I don't think it was meant to be this terrible, hard, horrible existence. No, I don't think so either. So I love that. Now with like there's just so much pressure at the moment to do all of the things and that's like that's so relevant in marketing at the moment like there's pressure to be on every single platform to be doing Instagram lives Facebook lives running ads like just do all of the marketing stuff how do you think somebody could declutter and simplify their marketing a little bit yeah look I guess my instinct is to say from the kind of masculine energy from the um the do, 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 the listen, follow the rules kind of my first instinct is to say look at the numbers, right? So yeah. we'll look at your Google Analytics or your whatever and figure out where your leads are coming from and drop off the ones that are not bringing you yeah. leads. As a, on the other side, <laughs> that myself, so it feels like a bit of hypocritical advice, that's what you should do. I feel like that's what you should do. And that's what I recommend people do as well. But it doesn't mean I yeah. do it. <laughs> and I'm the coach. Yeah. Um, the other side of it is, like, if it doesn't, if it feels like it's a slog to do, like, I'll give you the example. I don't do Snapchat. I don't do Twitter. And I barely do Facebook. Yeah. Um, from, a, from a numbers perspective, I probably should do more Facebook. Um, because I know that brings in leads. Uh, but for me, like the platform that feels most aligned to the work that I do and where I get the most pleasure because I connect with the most people, yeah. like, people like yourself, um, that for me is Instagram. Yeah. And so, yes, I pour a lot of like time and energy and heart and soul into Instagram, but I don't feel like that's failed me necessarily so far. Like I don't feel like I've missed out on things no. because I've put all my eggs in that basket. Um, at a point, I will get to a point where I want to scale. And so then I might think about beefing up my Facebook and, and doing, you know, some Facebook ads and certainly I'm done your challenges and I'll be <laughs> ready for it when that time comes to do all that stuff because I've listened to your sage advice on that. Yeah. But at this point in my business, because I'm still just growing and because I'm growing um, kind of slow and at pace, because that fits with kind of my ethos, yeah. Uh, it only feels right for me to do one of those things, you know, to focus on Instagram. So, yeah, I guess, you know, you can fit, look at the numbers, do the due diligence, but then also get a feel, you know, don't discard how that thing might make you feel. If Instagram feels like a slog for you because you feel like your feed needs to be too perfect and you can't afford to have professional photographs taken every month and all of those things, yeah. then maybe don't worry about that for now maybe just do lives or just do stories and post less on your feed you know like yeah, I think exactly to be said for feeling into what feels right but then also asking the questions about you know doing the work of why you feel like it has to be so perfect and yeah um, you know that that would be work through my clients with but I think from a marketing perspective you talk about it all the time you know simplifying the marketing and for yeah. me the most simple thing is thinking um, what is my next step? And I think sometimes in business we get so caught up with all the things all the time mentality 
and with this hustle that we need to be the queen of every facet of our business. We need to be able to know how to do video and live and whatever and podcasting. And and they may all be things you do in the next five years, but they're not all things you have to do tomorrow. Yeah. Oh, so true. I guess for me, the... I always come back to what is just my next step? Like yeah. what should I focus on this week? And what's going to bring you closer to that next step? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And whether that's like for me at the moment, that's just, yeah, doing some more stuff on Instagram, releasing some um, digital products. Like that's my next yeah. step. Uh, and the online course will come, the podcast will come, you know, all those things. Rome wasn't built in a day, I guess. Yeah, that makes I so did- much sense. Yeah, that we can do these things at a time, like one at a time, as as the desire comes and the skills come. I really need to take that advice. <laughs> I feel like I'm working on a million different things, like I'm building two courses at the moment, redoing a whole bunch of stuff. Like it's a lot of different things and it's a ho- like that cluttered feeling of not knowing what you're focusing on next isn't a good space to be creative. It's not a good space to like – grow your business from. So I think, yeah, super, super important. Um, So I know like a lot of business owners and you've probably seen this with your clients, but a lot of them rely on like how many followers they have or how many likes that they get on social media to validate their business success. Do you have any advice for breaking free of this validation of like this need to have these followers or this need for those likes to validate you? Yeah, well, I mean, the first piece of advice is stop worrying about that stuff, right? Mm. That's the easy thing to say. The second thing is followers don't matter at all. You yes. talk about this all the time. <laughs> um, the num- like it, Some numbers matter in your business, but your number of followers and your number of likes on a post matter so little. Um, it's all about the engagement. It's about how you interact with people. It's about the relationships you build. Yeah. Uh, and that's true for the advice you would give for um, social media marketing as it is for the advice I would give from a coaching perspective because life is about connection, right? We're mm. human or we're beings in a, having a human experience and in that human experience one of the most important things is connection. So it's about really connecting with people. I mean I have a really small by comparison, if we were going to compare, which I do, <laughs> I have a fairly modest um, following, but I feel like I have a really great engagement with people. I feel like I get to talk and connect with not like probably all of the people every day. That would be like a whole job in oh, itself. Oh, wow, yeah. <laughs> like the people who need to hear my message get it and that I get to connect with people on a regular basis through my socials. So, um I, yeah, I, I don't really care about the numbers, but that's because I've listened to, to advice like yours so often that um, that I think rings true, that that, that yeah. stuff doesn't matter from a, an actual business and numbers perspective. It doesn't matter from a building, um, kind of exploiting the Instagram algorithm. What matters in that is building real connection. Oh, yeah. Uh, so actually doing the thing that feels good and you should be focusing on is actually the thing that's going to um, make the algorithm work um, in your favor. But I think comparisonitis is a really big issue that comes up, not just for my clients um, in the coaching, but also uh, when I do workshops and every time I speak at an event and every event I go to, I feel like 
the idea that we compare ourselves to people online comes up a lot. Um, And I think the, the thing I will say on that is it is something we are all suffering to at some degree. Um, but also you just never know whether the person you're comparing, you, you're never comparing apples and apples. Exactly. And what you see and online isn't always real life. That's right. And it's we usually all know, not. We all know this intellectually and yet we're still comparing ourselves with people whose yeah. lives we know so little about, right? Exactly. So intellectually we all know we shouldn't do it and yet we're all on our phone when we're having a bit of a grump moment <laughs> and then we get triggered by something. Um And so I always say to people, like, just sit in that moment of being triggered and Mm. ask yourself, like, what is this trying to show me? Yeah. And so for me in that moment, if I'm being triggered, it might be, well, actually, I'm feeling a bit jealous that this person has a girl gang, you know, like I've seen a photo of a bunch of girls at an event and I'm like, oh, I might be, I'm feeling a bit triggered the reason I'm feeling a bit jealous about that is because I haven't hung out with my girlfriends in a while or I'm lacking a bit of connection yeah Um, so just find what it is that that triggering is there to teach you rather than spiraling down out of control and and, you know into kind of the doldrums (laughs) about because there's always a lesson there there's always something um that it's there to teach you. And the more you start to see those moments as there to show you something that you, like your subconscious is there to show you something that you um, haven't been willing to listen to, the the less you actually start to care about the numbers and the likes and the followers and yeah. the more you actually start to just, you know, the funny thing is I did, a, I was going to release a detoxing from social media guide but I realized like I can't get off it myself and so like <laughs> to the world. There's plenty of detox guides and you should detox every now and then. Uh, I'm certainly a big believer in getting off social media on the weekend or at certain times or taking yeah. a week off um, when you feel like you really need it. But I'm on Instagram a lot, like totally going to be honest with people here. But that's fine. Like there's the maximalist thing I do, right? I have an Instagram a lot like hours hours a day but hours a day I love it and I don't get triggered by it like that's good I don't I don't almost never feel a negative reaction to things that I'm seeing online and so that's why to me the likes and the the numbers and stuff don't matter because I'm genuinely enjoying being in that space and I'm enjoying the connection and the dms um and sending voice DMs, that's my new thing to do. <laughs> well, I mean, like, we uh, we pretty much met via Instagram DM, I'm pretty sure. Yes. Yeah, and then I met you at a real at an in-person event, and then we teed up a podcast via Instagram. So, like, so much actually does happen through Instagram, but it wouldn't have happened if you'd just, like, I don't know, randomly liked a post of mine and left a very generic comment. It was because yeah. you actually took the time to leave a meaningful comment, and we started talking about that. Yeah. And that's, again, it's it's like we know the right thing to do. Right? The right thing is to use social media socially. Yeah. <laughs> but, and like, real social. The numbers. But also, like, the reason why I have, like, um, I think it was doing your course where it was, like, we were encouraged to um, look up something online I never knew about to figure out what our engagement numbers. Oh, engagement yes. Like. And I looked it up and it was, like, 
regular engagement is like what percent? What's regular engagement? Like Oh, it depends how many followers you've got. And I'm like I was at like twenty percent, like ridiculous apparently engagement. But that's because I engage with people so much. So you get what you give. Exactly. Um Yeah. Yeah. So I know another big thing that a lot of us struggle with is the dreaded email inbox. as well and and the dm inbox um but what what would you say your biggest tip for dealing with emails is Mm. if you're feeling overwhelmed again i think the first point of call should always be stopping the flow yeah and so with email that means unsubscribing from every email list you've ever subscribed to no i so not steps don't unsubscribe to steps (laughs) or mine um no but I go through these phases where I unsubscribe to all of them so even ones I really love and I get a lot of value out I just go through these phases where I just feel like I just need to completely clear the decks and trust that this is the thing with Instagram as well if you go through or, or Facebook and delete you know stop following hundreds of accounts the ones that are really meant for you that really resonate, you'll end up following them again. Yeah. Um, but sometimes every now and then it's good to have a big clearing of the decks so that you invite fresh ideas into your space. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, uh, we can just get too consumed with what we're consuming that we stop um, creatively consuming. Like we stop reading different kinds of posts or listening to different kinds of podcasts. So we get yeah. stuck in quite a bubble. And so with email, absolutely, like, just go through and literally unsubscribe to everything. That would be my first um, my first thing. And the second thing is I think getting really clear uh, with boundaries on email. Yeah. We went through, I feel like having worked in quite a large organisation where I would have got, like, thousands of emails, thousands of emails a week, um, and because I was in that phase where I was, like, being all maximalist perfectionist, I replied to every single. Uh, was not really, was not really big on the prioritization and focusing at that point. Um, but we went through this kind of wave. I'd say about five to seven years ago, I feel, um, where it started to be cool with email to put on your email signature or to just to write really short emails. Yeah, and people had on their email signature. Oh, like we subscribe to the short email strategy or something like that. So we went through this phase where it started to become cool and accepted that we were all just going to use email for like just that basic interaction, kind of transactional stuff. And then I feel like we moved out of that phase and back into the like fully consuming, um, getting bogged down and sending really long-winded, crazy emails and feeling like we have to email all the time. Yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, being clear on that, like if you work a couple of days a week in your business, having that in your email signature, I will respond to emails on Monday and Wednesday. So, um, I only work two days a week in my business. I still have two young daughters, um, at home, one at home with me and one at school. So I just work school hours. Uh, and I'm not apologetic about that, uh, because that's just what I do. Um, clear about it. So putting up, being clear on your email signature, what your opening hours are, when you will email people back, and the more you send emails out that are like that, the more you start to train people 
when to email you or if to email you. Sometimes it's just easier for them to pick up the the phone and call you. Yeah, absolutely. And then that's the other piece of advice, right? Start asking yourself, do you need to send an email about this thing? Yeah. Or call the person and have it be done in like literally three minutes instead of sending an email and then worrying for the next 48 hours whether they got the email, whether you wrote the right thing, um, you know, what they're going to reply when they reply and they don't answer. I was always like, if someone sent an email and asked five questions, I wrote back to all five questions, but then I would send emails and write, ask five questions. And then I, people would email back and answer just two. And I'd be like, what? <laughs> and that you, that you get over that in a phone conversation minutes, right? Because yeah. it's just fourth. You, you don't end the conversation until you're satisfied. You've got all of the answers that you need. But in email, that exchange is just different. Yeah. So I think getting clear on why you're, you're why you are using email, when you're using it, and if there's a better way to, or a faster way, easier way to get your message across. Yeah. And those three things in combination, I've really seen a huge reduction in the emails that I receive. Um, and then things like, you know, having your packages and services on kind of an automated loop, things that yeah. you would talk about at the email marketing. Um, so that you're not doing, you're not getting bogged down in um, the that administrative side of things, where people these days are fairly okay to accept yeah. that that would be on an automatic loop. Like, yeah, but that's not um, that's not doing them a disservice, or it's not um, disingenuous to have <laughs> to have an opt in on your website where they know that they're putting in their email address, and then you're just going to kind of you know a system is going to send you stuff. Like being okay that we're in that um, we're in that phase of business now where automation is accepted and it's there for the using in the right way. Yeah, and it saves so much time. It's crazy how much yeah. time you save. So yeah. at the end of every podcast episode, I have three questions that I ask every guest. And the first one of those questions is, in your time in business so far, what has been your biggest whoops moment? Um, oh, good question. <laughs> biggest whoops moment. Um, oh, oh, I don't know. I don't know. Oh, I want to have a really juicy, bad one. And <laughs> I can't think of anything. It's probably a good thing. Like if, if you can't think of one immediately, it probably means you haven't stuffed up too badly yet. So <laughs> yeah, I, it's like, I, I haven't talked up, turned up to anything yet with like out my slides or my laptop oh. or anything. Um, oh my God. I don't want to be the loser who like, looks like the recovering perfectionist who really just can't find anything that I've done wrong. <laughs> um, I think probably my biggest oops moment is sometimes I've swung the pendulum too far and I've actually taken things too slowly. Yeah. So, um, so I don't think it's good to be in the extreme of either hustle, hard, slog, 12-hour days or – oh, it'll be fine cruising along, not yeah. really much. And I feel like over the, um, I think over the Christmas break, because it was, so my daughter's just gone from prep to grade one. So we just did the Christmas school holidays, which here in Queensland, it's like seven weeks. Oh. It's a long time. And I'd scheduled my clients around that so that I didn't have any clients, um, like coaching clients during that time. So I did some speaking and other things, but no um, coaching clients so that I could have that time with her. But in hindsight, my biggest oops moment was probably 
not planning for that that well, like losing this momentum that I'd built up in six months. Mm. It was also the first period, my first break I'd had since becoming an entrepreneur, like since yeah. going on my own. And I misjudged how easy it would be to get back into the flow of it. Like when you when you work for an organization and you just take holidays, when you, when you turn up on your first day, like the work's just there, right? Like you, you just have, have to do to it. Into yeah. it. You have emails you have to reply to, but when yeah. it's your own business, you could actually ignore that stuff for a really long time if you felt like it. So yeah, I think <laughs> yes. that's my biggest oops is not um, not figuring out how to take a break and come back and keep the momentum yeah. going. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree with that. It is really hard to come back after a long break. It mm. is really hard. Okay, next question is what has been your biggest growth moment so far in business? Um, mm. Is there something like super scary that you've pushed yourself to do that you wouldn't have normally done or something that's challenged you a bit? Um, something that challenged me last week, um, which I'm getting – but I've always felt like I've I've always kind of worn my heart on my sleeve. Um, but I also want to look like a perfection, a perfect, you know, perfectionist want to look perfect, right? Yeah. So um, I'm getting better at being vulnerable, like just being honest about mm. um, the struggle. So last week I had a client um, quit on me, <laughs> and so so I coach in blocks. So I do six sessions or twelve sessions at a time yeah. with someone, um, and I do that so that there's a solid commitment. In, in both directions. Um, and this was the first time I had a client do three sessions and then say that um, she didn't want to do the other three. So that that was a really tough moment. And I had to um, engage all of my tools yeah. and exercises. And it was a real moment of growth for me because it was – the first time I'd really been challenged in a way that I felt like I completely fell apart yeah, and then had to go to my toolbox and work myself through it. And then when I did, I was like, ah, oh. so that's what my clients feel like, you know, in these moments where it's not like otherwise I'm this perfect person who's walking around without any issues, but I feel like I hadn't been really solidly challenged in a long time. Yeah. I going along really smoothly. I had all these tools that I use, my, you know, all the kind of mindset work that I'd done had put me in this really stable position. And that was the first time where I really felt solidly the rug had been pulled out from underneath me for a while. Yeah. But I feel like and that's something, so, it's something that so many people in client-based businesses go through and it'll, yeah. you'll probably grow from it in that you'll change maybe the thing, maybe it'll change the, how you look at or like how you um, choose who to work with in the future. There might be like a new red flag there or like a warning sign that you hadn't thought of before, something along those yeah. lines. Yeah, absolutely, huge growth in it. And um, so, yeah, and I, but I guess the growth, the, the thing I find now is now I look at those opportunities and I'm like, oh, my God, there's so much growth in here. How can I <laughs> learn there is if, you, if we'd had this conversation, well, we wouldn't have been having this conversation five years ago because I would never have put myself out for being on a podcast. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, if you'd spoken to five-year-old ago, Carly, um, <laughs> like that stuff would have just knocked me for six. I would yeah. have just been in a mess of ball of tears forever and thought it was the worst thing and never 
I would have thought this whole positive, like, look for the growth was just total bullshit. I would have yeah. been like, get away from me, don't talk about growth, <laughs> you know. <laughs> self pity. So that's the other thing is when you go through those moments of growth, it's a nice reminder of how far you've come. Oh, yeah. And, like, I think the one thing that you develop as a business owner that nobody else develops quite like we do is resilience. Yes. And it it reflects into other parts of your life as well. So, like, even if you're going through, like, a tough time in another area of your life, you can use that resilience that you've built from running a business and apply it to whatever else is happening. Awesome. And the last question that I have for you is what advice would you give to your pre-business self? Um... Don't wait till it's perfect. Just do it. I love that. Yes. <laughs> You're giving that advice to my current business self and my future business. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> yeah, Just throw yeah. things against the wall, see if they stick, and then yeah. worry about making it perfect later. Right. Just do things. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Amazing. Thank you so much, Carly. So tell our listeners where they can find out a little bit more about you and about Minimalista. Yes, you can jump on my website, which is minimalista.com.au. You can find me on Instagram, and my handle is at minimalista.com.au. Lovely. Uh, and you can find me on Facebook, um, but it just might be you know, it might be a bit uh, few and far between. On- <laughs> uh, so, yeah, again, minimalista.com.au. Uh but yeah, mostly on Instagram, uh, you can jump on my mailing list on my website as well. And I'm um, going to start trying to send out more regular newsletters. Uh, <laughs> actually, you have a really nice download on your website. Um, it was like digital minimalism or something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Digital health checks. Yes, so, I love that. Uh, figuring out what your whether or not you have a healthy relationship with the digital world yeah. and maybe um, what your kind of digital – yeah, where you are on the radar of like really healthy relationship to maybe not so uh, and then what you can do about it. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much, Carly. Like I've learned a lot and I'm pretty much going to go and declutter everything now. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully our listeners will as well. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much, Steph.